0: Faith and Perseverance is my title this morning. I'll be honest, turning it into an all-age talk was a bit of a, oh, hence all the Percy's at the beginning. That was, you know, that's my sense of humor. And I think they all enjoyed the sweets, so that's fine. We got there. Perse- the word perseverance is an interesting word. It means to persist, to push on through, To continue to pursue steadily. It actually comes from a Latin root. This is the grown-up bit of the all-age service. Perseverus. Severus means harsh, grave, difficult. And the per on the front means thoroughly. So actually, to persevere means it's thoroughly difficult. Sound familiar? But we're called to persevere. It's a spiritual fruit. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. It's a spiritual reality that as Christians we're called to face stuff that is very difficult. Sorry, chaps, if you want it all to be fun and sweetness and light and easy, it's not what it's about. We're called to persevere. But it means perseverance. It means something that's very grave, something that's very serious as well. Again, when I'm reading that, I'm thinking, all-age service. Well done, Laurie. That's not (laughs) going to be easy. Do it very seriously. But to persevere means to pursue steadily, despite the obstacles And Mike and I did have a look earlier, but we couldn't find stuff. I was going to get somebody to walk across in the front here and get the front row to throw things at them. But we couldn't find anything that wouldn't take an eye out. So uh, um, we couldn't find anything soft, Um, partly because I hadn't thought about it earlier in the week. If I'd done that, I'm sure we could have sorted it. But that's what it feels like sometimes. We're walking as Christians, and we're trying to walk in the light, and we, we are trying to walk the way Jesus wants us to, We're trying to do what he says, we're trying to do the biblical thing, or we we have a word of prophecy, and we're walking in that, and all the rest of it, and stuff, sometimes not spelt F, but I'll let you spell it the way you want to, just hits us. Stuff comes at us, because as Christians, it's increasingly difficult. Some of you who became Christians years ago, it was more normal to be a Christian, if you became a Christian in the 70s or even in the 80s, it was more normal. It was still not normal, but it was more normal. It's increasingly, le- increasingly less. It's decreasingly normal. That doesn't sound right, does it? But you know what I mean? It's becoming more unusual and more difficult to be a Christian. I remember there was a a book around, when I first became a Christian, I was in my 20s, there was a book around called um, Faith is Like a Chocolate Teapot. I don't know if you remember that. It was faith in school being difficult back in the 80s. But if faith in school was difficult back in the 80s, 40 years on, it's even harder. It's even harder because it's, it's harder to be a Christian teacher. I was going to ask David about that, but he's not here. But it's harder to be a Christian teacher, isn't it? It's harder to actually stand up for your faith. He says, Oh, look, got middle middle row here. (laughs) Yeah. But it is, isn't it? You you hold your own place, but to actually speak out. And you know, when I first did assemblies in school, not as a as a teacher, not as a a visiting clergy or whatever, we could say sort of what we wanted. We used to have to say, This is my opinion, this is what I think, but we could sort. even as an incoming vicar now, I'm much more circumspect about what I say. I'm much more careful. You know me, I still say what I sort of want to say, but I'm careful in the way I say it now. Because it, it's, not, it's not so easy. It's not so easy to be a Christian. To be a Christian and at school, to be a Christian teenager, to be a Christian um, under 11, whatever, it, it's harder. Esther's just turned around and gone... (laughs) Which is sometimes how it feels. Absolutely right. Stand up for your faith at work is often more difficult. If you're working with Christians, actually that's sometimes just as hard. He says working for the Church of England. There you go. (laughs) But being a Christian, persevering when things are coming at us. And what comes at us is that thing that we often use in the liturgy. The first thing that comes at us is, is um, our flesh. That's the first thing that stops us persevering. Because it's so easy to give up, isn't it? Anybody play a musical instrument? Anybody ever played a musical instrument? Right, keep your hands up. Put your hand down if you, no, keep your hands up for the moment. Put your hand down if you stopped playing when you were, before you were 12. Some of you. Before you were 16. A few more. Before you were 20, who's still playing now? Just just five of us or something are still playing. We've all had a go. I'm not saying this because I'm a part of the group. But only five of us have persevered. Only five of us actually pushed on. It's not so easy to play with a broken wrist, is it? Or a broken hand. So, but I know Terry, you play the piano now? You still playing your clarinet? No. But what was your first instrument? Both. Ah, oh, see, hoist with my own petard there. <laughs> you started on the piano. here you go. But but I know you played clarinet a lot, didn't you? But now it's gone. My first instrument, French horn, which I don't play. So I make should I put my hand down? Because actually I don't play it now. What's your first What's your first instrument? The violin. That's Johnny's first instrument. Did you know that? It's a violin. Um, and he still plays from time. He played on, when we recorded your song, he, played, he actually played on it, didn't he? He played violin on it. He plays beautifully, but you do realise piano is Johnny's second instrument and guitar is third. But my first instrument now is the guitar and yours is the piano or keyboard or... Organ, bass, bass is my fourth instrument, I <laughs> think. Um, you persevere. You don't, you don't pick up a guitar or a clarinet or a French horn or whatever it is and play it beautifully immediately. It sounds horrible to start with. There's nothing worse than a learner violin player. Actually, a squeaky clarinet's pretty bad. <laughs> And, and, you know, a brass is all over the place. But you persevere. You practice. And actually, to persevere as a Christian means we need to practice. There's a famous book called Practicing the Presence of God. That doesn't mean we practice to get the presence. It means once we're in the presence, we practice being there. So you don't earn... The things that God has given you but you take what God has given you and practice using them you know to be a Christian and to be an overcomer and to persevere by sitting on your bum and doing nothing just turning up on a Sunday and not actually praying during the week and not reading your Bible and not doing any of the rest of it guess what won't happen you won't persevere you'll still be a Christian you'll still be safe in God's hands you'll still be born again but unless you do the other stuff you won't grow. You won't persevere. You won't be able to face up to the really hard times. You'll get squished when it comes. The first thing is your flesh. The second thing is the world that comes against you. Sorry, I was racing back to my notes, and I remembered what my next point was. <laughs> the next thing is the world, the flesh, the world, comes against you. Because our culture is increasingly less Christian increasingly and what's normal out there do you know again a generation ago Christian values were normal in law in in films in books in blah blah now you hold a Christian line on those things and you're weird well I'm all for being weird I've got no problems with that but it's so easy just to fold into the culture And if it's easy for us, in our 30s and 40s, and all the way up, how much more difficult is it for our kids and our teenagers not just to fold into the culture and prevailing wisdom? As Christians, I'll throw this one out. Don't worry. Don't worry, Esther, it's all fine. They won't drop you on your, on your head, I promise. <laughs> promise. As a Christian, there's a number of you out there in your 50s, pushing into your 60s. It's what we call the kids, isn't it? That's what, yeah. uh, you worried about your pension. You're worried about what's going to happen financially with your pension. Is that the world or God speaking through you? I'm not saying don't make provision. I'm just saying you're worried about it. Does it scare you? It's difficult, isn't it? He is Jehovah Jireh. He will provide. It will be all right. I look sometimes and think I have no idea how it's going to be all right. And the, the way that we counter our flesh, and the world coming against us. It's through that reservoir of faith, that resource of faith, the truth, the pistis that our faith is based on. (coughs) Who is God? He is the one who provides. He loves us in all circumstances. He will not test our faith beyond that which we can endure. And we can actually endure a lot further on than we realize we can. But we only know until we're actually being stretched and it's horrible and I wouldn't wish it on my best friend but it's what it is do we think God can provide yes if we're obedient to what he does as no not if as we are obedient to what he does you do realize he's such a generous dad he's longing to shower you with that provision he's just waiting for you to turn around and go Yes, please. I'll receive it. Because it's drilled into us that we've got to provide for ourselves, and we've got to fettle it all and sort it out for ourselves. You're just being lazy. (coughs) Don't rely on anybody else. Just rely on yourself. Everybody else will let you down. Well, everybody else will let you down, but God won't. Oh, but God didn't do this for me. Yeah, well, he didn't do that for you, because maybe that wasn't the best thing for you he will never let you down in the best way possible not in your way in his way and of course the third thing that comes against us is the enemy flesh the world and the devil but we know we know hopefully we know do we know about that have i mentioned that before that the enemy comes against us and we take our stand And we come back to our identity and we say, no, we don't believe the lies. The problem is the enemy mixes in with the the worldly stuff and the enemy mixes in with the fleshly stuff and uses all those things as well. So is it the flesh or is it the enemy? Yes. What caused it? Normally the flesh causes it and the enemy uses it. But sometimes the little whisper of the the lie is, you're rubbish, you're rubbish, you are. You're not, Fred, honest. But the little whisper... If we persevere, if we eat Percy Pigs. If you remember the per- if all you remember from this morning is a Percy Pig, that's fine, but take it to the word persevere. And that's what it's about. Life doesn't come as a gift on a plate. Do you know we say this generation thinks it's should is being given life on a you know, everything should be given to them on a plate, don't we? Do we say that? I've got news for you. Our parents' generation said it about us, and their parents' generation said it about them. Every generation looks at the next one and says, oh, I just want it on a plate. It's only as you actually persevere and grow up into it, into maturity, you realize it doesn't come on a free life. Eternal life comes as a gift. But living it needs perseverance. A trial, a testing, a proving, a purifying Basically, we need to choose. But the faith that we have, the reservoir of truth, the resources that come from God in the first place, mean we can. Do you remember what Chris talked about last week? Worship, word, community, communion, prayer, we can add. These are the things that we draw on and we choose to do so that we persevere. We will not lack anything. And that doesn't just, do we lack anything now? Or has he already given you everything you need to live this godly and holy life? So what James is doing here, he's not saying you lack it. What he's saying is we will not lack anything in practice as we live. Are you there yet? Do you live as if you lack nothing? No, of course we don't. We're going to come to communion. I'm going to shut up. Can I ask you to do three things as you come to communion? One, don't forget to bring your kids. Don't leave them up there because we share as a family, as a whole family. But I'm relying on you to help them with the communion and to take. But can I ask you to choose the way of perseverance? To choose to face the testing and not walk away. To choose to face the sacrifice and not give up because it's so much easier to. To choose the better way. That's the first thing. Choose. Secondly, be thankful. Be thankful. That should be that should be easy as we come to communion, because we're reminded of what Jesus has done for us. Be thankful. Be, and if you can, if you can, I'm going. Hang on, you weren't here just now. You are. Well done. Um, be thankful. Be thankful that you're facing the trial. Oh, that's a what's it in it? That one, that's not easy. I get it, it's not easy. But be thankful. As a, as a church, we're facing quite a difficult financial situation. That's why I wrote about it in the emails that half of you haven't read. But that's why I wrote about it, because we're facing a difficult situation. But as a leadership, we need to be thankful that we're facing testing and trial and not lose sleep that we've not got the money but be thankful that god will provide to choose be thankful and then simply as we take communion say lord will you show me where the resources are will you release in me the new resources already there will you show me it might be for some of you You've never spoken in tongues. That might be a resource to be able to do it. A, re- a release of worship, a release of knowledge of Scripture. I don't know what it is. A new friendship that's going to help support you through. Just ask the Lord, would you lead me to the resource you have already provided? So choose to face the trial. Be thankful that God's provided. But also, Lord, would you show me what do I need that you've already given me? Show me how to take it. So at supper with his friends, Jesus came and he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. This is already pre-consecrated, by the way. I'm just reminding you. This is my body given for you. Broken for you. Destroyed for you. Made anathema, put out of the Father's presence for you. After supper, he took the cup, and we didn't give him thanks. He said to them, "Drink this, all of you, for this is the cup of the new covenant that is shed for many." You know, what he was thinking about when he said that. He was thinking about us. We're the many, because we weren't at that first supper, and his blood shed for you. Eat, take, eat and drink, and be thankful. that he died for you and as you eat and drink rejoice 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 amen